Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution, not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avant Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best selling author, and founder of The Way the Happy Woman. And I'm so happy to share that my brand new book, The Book of She Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, is now available wherever books are sold and at thebookofshe.com. To celebrate her arrival throughout the months of October and November, I'll be featuring a special series called She Stories where we hear the heroine's journeys of 14 inspiring female leaders. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome home. Welcome to She Talks. And today we're speaking with Alexis Neely, whom some of you might know also as Ali Shanti. Ali is a new economy personal finance expert who offers a new economy perspective for personal finance and business decisions. And she does this through two of her ventures, which is New Law Business Model and Eyes Wide Open. So welcome, Ali. It's really, really nice to have you here. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah, for inviting me into this conversation. And we always begin our gatherings here at The Way of the Happy Woman with a personal check-in. 
So I'd love for you to share where you're calling from today and what your inner landscape is like. How are you at the level of body, mind, and heart? Mm. So I'm calling today from my solarium. Um, I'm here in Boulder. It's oddly cold uh, today. And so I'm kind of bundled up. And I say it's oddly cold because it's summer. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it is oddly cold. And so I'm kind of bundled up. And um, where I am in um, uh, body, mind, and heart is I just, uh, finished a, a 10 day cleanse that appears like it's just going to continue. I've, um, I'm doing a, a cleanse called Perium that had me cut out all sugar and meat and, um, it looks and dairy and gluten and everything, right? So I'm just eating whole healthy foods and it seems like it might continue. So that's exciting. It's kind of a lifelong thing instead of just a 10 day cleanse. So that's, that's fun for me to realize. And, um, my mind and heart, I feel a little sad today. Um, no particular reason. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but, you know, no one particular reason. And I have equally as many reasons to feel not sad. So I don't necessarily want to peg it on any one of those reasons. But yeah, it's just really what's true for me today is a little bit of sadness. We welcome your sadness here. Thank you. And Ali, we, we're starting out these interviews really first looking at the hero's journey and this global narrative that we've all been immersed in, even whether we've realized it or not. So was this a narrative that you related to growing up? Is it is it a narr- narrative that you currently relate to? You know, it's interesting because I I don't know that I do. Um, I don't I don't know that you know I had this awareness. I guess I would say that um, that there was this hero's journey that somehow impacted me. But as I'm saying those words, um, I'm thinking back to the time of my life when I was kind of in the most you know quote unquote crisis. Um, which for me was a financial crisis. Um, I've been in, you know, I've certainly had a lot of different crises, but my, my, um, my ordeal, um, has been a financial one. And I remember when I was in the midst of that, um, feeling like my, the choices that I was going to make and that I was making during that time, were impacted by the story I'd be able to tell as a result of the choices I was making and in fact got me through that time because I would be able to look back on it and show how I had made it through, you know, this, this challenging time. And um, there was um, a lot of periods where I, I, you know, I wasn't sure if I would be able to do it and, and I didn't know what, what was the right thing to do. And, and I often would turn to that theme of, well, it's going to make a good story. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I was impacted by it, even though, you know, somehow my conscious mind is like, you know, Oh, I, I, I don't even, you know, I don't even know what the hero's journey is necessarily, but of, of course I must because there it was coming up in that time during my life. 
So what what is one of these stories? Yeah, this this one the one specifically that I'm um, that I'm speaking of is um, my journey through letting go of everything, uh, all of my all of my money making. I guess is really um, the way that I can put it. You know, in the intro you read about me and all of this money that I've made, and you know, I've built these million dollar businesses, and um, I've uh, written this best selling book, and you know, all of these accolades, right? And um, that was a huge part of my life was uh, achieving. I'm a three on the Enneagram and achievement is, and well, it always has been very important to me. And I say has been because it feels like there's a shift, a big shift that's happened inside of me. But, um, you know, uh, achievement was always very important to me. I had to prove who I was and I could do that by graduating first in my class from law school and then building these million dollar businesses. And then that would tell you like I'm this important person and I'm good you know and there came a a point at the end of 2009 um, where that no longer became sustainable for me Um, it it had been leading things had been uh, leading to that point Uh, I had joined a a mastermind made a hundred thousand dollar investment you're not hearing that wrong it was actually it was really a one hundred thousand dollar investment to join a mastermind um, in late 2008 and um, I was also I also just recently sold my law practice and um, right when I made the commitment to join this mastermind uh, and it it was like up until that point, and part of the reason that I had made the decision to join that mastermind is I had felt flat. I had achieved all the success, best-selling book, million-dollar, you know, second million-dollar business, sold my law practice, and yet I was flat. I wasn't, I was, I was once again back to a place where I wasn't feeling a numbness. And that had been a place where I had been before and swore that I would never let myself be again. And um, and I knew that because I hadn't cried. It had been a really long time since I had cried. And that was a, a really dangerous sign for me. Um, and so when the opportunity to enroll in this mastermind came up, as soon as the woman who was um, whose mastermind it was made the offer, I was at an event, and, and I, had, I had sworn to myself, no matter what she offers, I'm going to say yes to it. And I'm sitting there praying at this event, please let it be less than $50,000. And it was $100,000. And I burst out in tears. And I knew in that moment that that was, I was like, okay, well, I'm feeling. So that's... <laughs> and <laughs> crying. I'm crying. That's what it had to take. It had to take, you know, $100,000 commitment to make me cry. But okay, I'm, at least I'm back on track. And, and then every single meeting that I attended, oh, oh, wait, before I even get into that. So, so I make this commitment, and literally weeks later, um, the guy I'd sold my law practice to comes back to me, and he says, I'm sorry, but I can't continue. Uh, I'm out of money. I have fired the marketing director, and now there's no more clients coming in, and here's your law practice back. Mm-hmm. And I had already gone on to my next business. I couldn't go back. And yet I also couldn't leave my clients and team members with nothing. And so I knew I was going to have to step back in and run the practice out of my savings and my credit. And yet I was committed to doing this 
you know, $100,000 mastermind and I'm in the midst of this huge transformation and I go to every single meeting, you know, I paid all this money to be there and I sit there and I cry <laughs> the whole meeting. I just sit in the seat and I cry. So this culminates in, at the end of 2009 in September of that year and I uh, found myself called into my first ayahuasca ceremony. And uh, up until that time, I'd been pretty judgmental about ayahuasca and people who used it and just thought, oh, just, you know, people wanting to get high. And, but at that point, then I, I was called. Allie, and, will, you first, will you share for some of the listeners what that is for those yeah, who don't know? Yes, absolutely. So ayahuasca is a, a sacred plant medicine. It is made up of two vines that are typically grown in South America, although sometimes also in Hawaii. Um, and it is a, uh, it is a journey medicine, um, that takes you deep into various places within yourself, really. And, um, uh, it really for me is the uh, opportunity to look at the things that I maybe have been hiding from myself, maybe have not been able to see. Um, it can be celebratory, but for me, usually it's really a rough journey. It's really just looking at the, the, all of the thought patterns and the conditioning and the fear thoughts that are not even actually mine. They've just been taken on, you know. And so that first journey though, back in September of 2009, it was an eye opener is really all I could say. It showed me what I knew deep down in my heart life could be, but I had forgotten. So it was like a, a remembrance almost, a remembrance of the possibility of the the um, uh, the hope for a life without conflict. Um, or a life with, let's say, because um, I don't think without conflict is, is necessary, but a life with harmony, a, a life of harmony. And I did not have harmony inside of me or outside of me. And I saw this life of harmony. I saw a world that works for everyone. I saw a world in which we could all get along and all have our needs met. And I saw as well how far from that reality I had gotten. And while I had all this external success, I did not have internal success at all. And so that was September. Um, I fell into a depression after that. I did not have um, good integration support. Most people don't. Um, unfortunately, after journeys like this, I did not. I fell into a depression. I, um, a couple months later, two important things happened at that point. One of them was that I was on the soundstage of Nancy Grace, where I was appearing uh, as a guest, as I often did, and I was there to gossip about Tiger Woods' divorce. And, uh, and normally what would happen when I was there is I would just have mind silence. It's one of the few times in my life when I would have mind silence is when I was about to get on TV. It was one of my favorite things to do. And yet this time, I didn't have mind silence. What I had is this loud voice in my head saying, what the fuck are you doing? You have just spent four hours getting into hair and makeup and to come down to the studio and to sit here in front of this camera and gossip about another human being on national television. You are contributing to the world negative 1,000. You can never do this again. And uh, that was pretty devastating because it was what I loved. You know, at least my ego, like, loved it. I loved being on TV. It's like what I felt I was made for, and I so felt I was on track when I was doing it. And so here was this big dissonance saying no. And that day I went home and I wrote on my blog that I was never going to do TV again until I could do transformational TV. 
And then uh, shortly after that, I went out to um, uh, uh, Denver. I was living in L.A. at the time, and I came out to Denver to speak at uh, the law school for a good friend of mine, Martha Hartney, who was graduating from law school. And I came out to speak at her law school class. And when I got here, there was a house for rent, two houses down from her, half the rent, twice the size, on a lake. And her kids and my kids were really good friends. And I said, you know what? We're moving. Mm. And January 1st, 2010, we packed up two U-Hauls, the kids, the, 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 the two cats, the dog, the snake, my ex-husband, my assistants, everything. We drove across um, uh, from L.A. and we moved here to Colorado and we've been here ever since. And that was the beginning of a real ordeal, a real <laughs> a real um, time of just uh, uncertainty, questioning, loss, um, uh, coming into myself, finding myself. And uh, over the next two years, from January 1st, 2012, until August, 2000, uh, two, January 1st, 2010, to August 2012, I proceeded to dismantle my entire life. And uh, I did so in the name of finding myself. I did so in the name of waking up. I did so in the name of discovering who I really am and finding that place of harmony within myself. I fired everybody on my team. I broke up with my boyfriend, uh, who was also my business partner. I shrunk my businesses down to the littlest they could possibly be and still survive, um, where I basically, you know, needed just a skeleton team to to uh, run them. I uh, moved to a farm that I had originally bought so that my ex-husband could build a me- medical marijuana grow operation, but turns out that I actually, and then I tried to start a community there and that failed pretty miserably and I realized I actually bought it so that I could move there and live there for a year and I swore, by the way, Sarah, when I bought that farm, I was never, ever, ever, ever going to move there. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, I had to move there. So so August of 2011, I moved out of that big house um, by the lake and I moved on to my farm uh, with my kids and I had... Uh, no support in terms of, you know, up until that point, I always had help. You know, I had teams and I had assistants and I had uh, housekeepers and people to cook for me and grocery shop for me and everything. And I moved to the farm and gave up all of that. And, uh, you know, I went into the inquiry of who am I really if money doesn't matter? Who am I if I don't need to earn any money? Who am I if I just take money off the table because I had lost sight? I had been so driven by money for so many years and by this idea of security, financial security, that I had lost the truth of who I am. And so in that year, I found myself. And I guess that, that was the time, you know, that was the, that was the real journey. And um, what I found during that year is, you know, everything. Um, I, I found uh, the truth of who I am. I found Ali Shanti, didn't even know her. Uh, <laughs> before that time, um, I found the work that uh, I'm I'm here to do, and it's it's interesting because now, so now it's I came out of that time period in August of 2012, and um, you know I guess you know along the path I resurrected and you know brought back the elixir or whatever, and here's what I'm finding about it is that I'm I'm 
uh, I feel like I might be on the verge of another of another journey, mm-hmm. and I'm scared. <laughs> what oh what makes what makes you think that? <laughs> the the I, last the last one the sign was that you weren't crying. Yeah. I'm sure you've had other signs, but that's yeah. the one you named. And uh-huh. there there are definitely signposts when we're about to kind of spiral into another phase of the journey. This time it seems to be that like the things that used to work, quote unquote, aren't working. Um, whatever that means. Yeah. Um the uh I I feel myself unwilling to do the things that I used to do, right? So I came back into the world and basically I rebuilt everything that I had. Um fast too, you know, it's it's we're coming up actually right, you know, this time period right now, we're like the three year anniversary of I filed bankruptcy um, in August of 2012. And that was like the final nail on the coffin. It was like, okay, reputation gone, ego gone, uh, money gone, right? Like all of it, like brand gone, like let it all go. And then in August of 2012, I stepped back into the world and I rebuilt it all. I, it's shocking, like, and how fast I got right back to where I was with some notable differences. Um, I'm a far better leader now. I know I, I have a totally different degree of empathy and compassion, both for myself and others. Um, but over these past, um, uh, really, I would, I guess I would say, um, year and a half, I, uh, have just starting to notice that like, okay, so I'm, I'm right back where I was. So now my businesses are, you know, making over a million dollars a year again. And I have these teams and I'm working a lot and I'm recognizing that once again, the emptiness of it, Mm. uh, it's like, okay, there's, okay, great. I'm back here again. And, my work in the world is important and people are benefiting from it and it's supporting my teams and it's supporting my family, but there's got to be more again. Once again, there's got to be more. And I could just sense that the, you know, I'm, I'm like looking at the kind of outline of the, the hero's journey right now. And so I, you know, this call to adventure and refusal of the call is kind of where I feel like I am. I'm in this like, this place of like, no, why can't I just be happy with what I have and keep building it and keep growing it? And why does there have to be more? But I guess there has to be more because there is, and that more isn't about the growth of my businesses at all. And so how do I be, how do I be and, and, and not identify with the growth of my businesses? Because that's, what I've been identifying with for so long. And even in that year where I wasn't, you know, identifying with that, it's still when I came back to, okay, well then what do I really want to do? Well, I want to rebuild my businesses. Okay. But so now I have, and what I'm really seeing is that, uh, there's something so much more important, which of course ties into my work. So it's, you know, the good thing that the businesses are there because people will want what those businesses offer when I bring my real work into the world. Yeah. And I haven't done that yet. Yeah. I've not brought my real work 
into the world yet, which is kind of weird to say because, you know, I've brought so much work into the world, but it, it's not my real work. It's not like why I'm, why I'm really, really here. So that's the, the verge that I'm on, the kind of the edge that I'm on right now is like, okay, so I've accomplished all of this in the traditional world. And even now in the non-traditional world in a way, like, okay, now I've even shown I could be Ali Shanti and I could be Alexis Neely and I could still build businesses. Great. But now what's the real work? And I think that it has to do with really helping myself and others to face the reality of our potential extinction. And, um, you know, scientists are saying that potentially within 100 years, we could be extinct. And what does any of this mean, if anyway, if that's the case? What are we doing? And what can we do to, if not to prevent, you know, to, not only just to prevent that, but to allow ourselves to continue? And when I really look at legacy, because I've talked about legacy for many years as an estate planning attorney and then uh, as the founder of a company called the Family Wealth Planning Institute, I talked a lot about legacy and uh, but I always talk about legacy in terms of like well how do you pass on your money from one generation to the next but really the legacy that we need to start looking at is how do we continue our life form on this planet and something that I don't talk about much but I will with you Sarah because I think maybe you'll understand it is you know there's this whole philosophy of like you only live once and I don't think that's true Number one, I, I believe that we live more than once, but I also believe that, and this is kind of probably going to sound strange, but I also believe that the future I'm creating for my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, et cetera, is actually my future. It's actually very personal to me because I, it is, it is this cluster of cells that are going to carry on and I do believe that when we achieve a certain level of consciousness, that we'll actually remember. We'll remember the, the past lives. And, and that, I mean, I, I also have this, starting to have this awareness that it's all actually even happening right now, right? There's, there's no actual um, time uh, continuum. Like, it's all actually happening right now. And so, so there's just this, way that I feel like I, I need to help people to like stop the navel gazing <laughs> right and myself too and pick our heads up and recognize that we have an opportunity to create heaven on earth and to be part of that heaven on earth and if we don't do that well I guess the only other option is like okay go full on into hedonism because it doesn't matter anyway yeah and it's like, okay, so hedonism and just like live for the moment and how, what is the most pleasure I could experience in this moment or focus my life on truly creating a world that I want to live in, not just for right now, but for eternity and create heaven on earth and be part of that. And then what does that look like? And that's kind of big. Yeah, and I believe that then it comes together where the pleasure in the moment is the service mm -hmm. rather than the self-serving. Mm, absolutely, yeah. And this story is such a great example and 
you know, we can see that this monomyth of the hero's journey and the heroine's journey exists in the narratives of all of our lives. It's very clearly present here for you of this continuing down a certain path or the quote-unquote masculine path or more like a deranged masculine path that we're all that we all get caught up in in this time in history and having more of our sensitivity our emotions our inner life start to call to us mm-hmm. and ask us to dissolve or force us sometimes to dissolve these outer structures and recreate something from the inside out in a way that is more authentic and like you said expresses expressive of the truth of who we are and that's yeah. really that's where the heroine's journey begins mm. is when you know when we realize I can't do it this way anymore there must be another way yeah so what what does the heroine's journey mean to you what does as you hear that phrase like what what does that elicit Well, what it elicits for me immediately is this desire to know more, you know, like, okay, where, where does, where, where am I along the path of the, of the heroine's journey? You know, is it, is it different than the, um, than the hero's journey? And if so, how, and, and where am I, you know, I always want to place myself because then I can have some, um, some hope. That, that there's a way through because there are certainly moments of of lack of hope, you know, despair, where I like how can I possibly go on? Like if this is what's true, like how how can this be it? Yeah. <laughs> and do I want to go on? And if not, then what? You know, <laughs> what's the alternative? Um, and so um, yeah, it's brings me to a question for you of like well what how does the hero's journey and the heroine's journey differ and where am I on the on the path yeah well I'd like to point back to that Joseph Campbell who you know really discovered and taught of the hero's journey when he was asked if women need to follow that path he said no women are already there mm. And he was writing and teaching in the 1950s when most women in the United States were housewives. They weren't out running for president Mm -hmm. or being the breadwinners for their families. And he didn't didn't create that map with women in mind. And as modern women, we know that that's not the case. We're not already there. Like, of course, a part of us is. You know, our essential nature is here, but there's a, a physical, psychological growth continuum that we're all on to try to come home to who we truly are. And as women, our journeys are deeply embodied. So we move through them through the seasons of our lives, through motherhood, our menses, eventually perimenopause and menopause, like these kind of signposts of life seasons passing and lessons learned and wisdom arising and they're kind of like built-in reflection times throughout our lives and also our brains are different than men yeah we process experience differently 
and also our core relationships and our family of origins are different with our relationships with our parents or our parent figures. So a lot of it begins in the heroine's journey is healing our relationship with our mothers and with the mother, with the feminine principle, like you're also sharing, you know, with this new vision that's coming forth in you, it's very much like a mothering vision mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. mothering the world yeah. to continue in a sustainable way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's interesting that you bring up mothering because the, you know, the journey with my daughter, she's 15 and uh, just about to turn 16 in a couple of months. And the, that, that journey, whew, I mean, that has ground me more into my motherhood than ever before. And somebody along the way said to me, he's like, you know, stop mothering everybody. And when he said that, I realized, but that's who I am. Mm. I'm a mom. I've been a mom since I'm 25 years old, and it's just like I don't want to stop mothering. I love that part of myself, and it and it reinforced my desire to be exactly what you're saying to be a mother to the world. I want that. When I hear you say that, I get hope actually, because um, for so much of my life, I've actually rejected my motherhood. Uh, because I did have kids so long, and I never got a chance to be like an adult woman, a single adult woman without kids. Um, it was college, law school, married baby immediately, and then my next baby born shortly after that, and then building my businesses, so I never got this chance to be woman separate from mother. And uh, as my daughter, so I was very much a kind of uh, still in my rebellious teenager for several years, Um you know, really, I would say the past 10 years since my divorce, I was really rebellious teenager. And uh, as my daughter came into her teenage life, I, it's really been the greatest personal growth workshop that I've ever taken part in because it required me to see all the places that I had refused to give up, to, to grow up through her being a teenager. Right, because she's, she's just being that mirror. She was the, I mean, I, I mean, I, it was, it's, yeah, talk about, <laughs> talk about a mirror. I'm like, oh, okay, that's me. Yeah. And all the places that I was angry at her and making her wrong because, you know, society says all the things that she was doing are wrong. I was having to come back into, uh, and look at and say, wait a minute. If that, if, if she's being wrong, then I'm wrong. And is it really wrong? And really look at what do I believe about right and wrong and her behavior and, you know, what's okay to experiment with and not as a teenager. And, I mean, ultimately, it forced me, or I chose, really, to grow up, to be mother so that she can be a teenager because we couldn't both be teenagers. Mm-hmm. Someone had to be the adult. And uh, my mom didn't know how to take that on. Most, most moms, I don't think, know how to step into adulthood. There's not been any role models for us um, as of true adults. And I had to learn that over the past year. And it's been just this wow experience of like, okay, now I know how to be an adult. And I parented my inner teenager as I parented my daughter. And, uh, you know, we're still on the ride. It's 
certainly not not been resolved. But hearing you say about being the you know mother of the world kind of archetype is like yes, that that feels right and good to me. That's that's the truth of who I am. And I loved what you touched on that so many times as women we need to choose like I'm going to be a mother or I'm going to be kind of a rebellious bad girl or I'm going to be a kick-ass businesswoman when the truth is we come into our wholeness and our and our truth and our power by being a medley of those things by being sensual by being the lover by being uh, a powerful leader by being a mother by being a daughter and that we give ourselves permission as women and support each other in embodying a multiplicity of these archetypes. Yes, yes. And I think for the first time in history, like we're really getting the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's been really one of the, I, I guess this is really what came out of the the last journey, the last heroine's journey for me, is this realization that I can be all of it. I can be Alexis Neely, powerful businesswoman, and I can be Ali Shanti, feminine, you know, priestess archetype, and I can be the rebellious teenager too. Uh, although we'll see, we'll, you know, I'm, I'm about to go to Burning Man. Uh, I'm thinking this is probably my last year. It's super not sustainable, uh, but I'm bringing my boyfriend, and he hasn't been, and uh, friends of mine are getting married, and you know, as I'm embarking on our trip to go, I'm really wondering, like, is that rebellious teenager still somewhere inside of me? So I guess we'll find out because that's where she would come out if so. But I can, (laughs) you know, but I get to be all of it. I don't, I don't have to, um, uh, pick and choose. Um, I can integrate and that's really this current place that I'm at is this, is, is this place of integration where, okay, who's the one that's behind all this? that's beneath all this, so, you know, coming through all this because there's that integrated one and she's all of it. There's, I, I also had this big download in March that I actually had to kill off my parts, uh, Alexis Neely and Ali Shanti, and I had to give birth to this other one. Um, but then fortunately I discovered that that's not true, that nobody needs to get killed off, mm-hmm. that instead all parts get to get integrated in and um, I get to be all of it, and that's really exciting. Beautiful. That's a that's a great place to leave us because that that is the culmination of the heroine's journey, is that that loving all parts of ourselves. And mm. I think of the movie Snow White and the Huntsman, which I really loved. Just a recent, I think it was a few years ago, adaptation of Snow White, and the end is not the slaying of the Wicked Witch or the Evil Stepsister. I forget which one it is in, in that movie, that fairy tale, but it's actually the the drawing in of her and the loving her mm-hmm. that brings the freedom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's where I am in this moment is learning to love all of me. Thank you so much. It's been really an honor to receive your story and to get to know you better through that. And Mm -hmm. I wish you so much support and so many blessings on the next stage of your journey. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me uh, into this sacred space, Sarah, and helping me to see where I am and to celebrate that.
If you're ready to go deeper into your heroine's journey, I invite you to explore my new book, The Book of She. You can visit thebookofshe.com to register your receipt for this order before October 30th. And when you do, you'll receive an invitation to join me and our community in a free online women's yoga and meditation class, as well as a live Q&A. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.